0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our award-winning podcast, where we simplify the complex world of technology for you. I'm Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. Today, we have a fascinating topic on our hands, efficient parallelization layouts for large-scale distributed model training.
0: That's right, Jen. We're diving into the world of supercomputer-level training for artificial intelligence models. Models so big, they can't even fit on a single computer.
1: Think of it like trying to solve a giant puzzle with pieces too large for your table. You have to spread it across many tables and then get a bunch of friends to help you put it together.
0: Precisely. And when we talk about parallelization, we're talking about our friends in this scenario. The hundreds of GPU accelerators that work on the puzzle together.
1: But there's a catch. Just like with our puzzle, if our friends aren't organized, they could be bumping into each other or duplicating work, right?
0: That's where efficient parallelization layouts come in. It's all about organizing our friends so they work together smoothly. We want GPUs talking nicely, sharing data without delays, and ensuring the puzzle, our AI model, comes together quickly and efficiently.
1: Yeah, and some smart folks at the Aleph Alpha and Hasso Platner Institute have been tackling just how to do that. They've been studying different ways to balance the workload across all these GPUs.
0: They call it a comprehensive ablation study. It's like trial and error on a massive scale. They try all sorts of configurations to see what works best.
1: And it looks like they've found some key insights. For instance, using a really small piece of the puzzle, or a micro-batch size of one, seems to let GPUs work best.
0: Right? It means less waiting around for data and more actual work done. Think of it as passing smaller, more frequent notes in class. You get the message faster and can react quicker.
1: They also dabbled with something called model parallelism. That means splitting the AI model into chunks so each GPU has its own piece to work on. However, too much of this can cause communication overhead.
0: The study also looked at activation checkpointing and sequence parallelism, among other things. Activation checkpointing is like taking strategic breaks, and sequence parallelism is essentially playing to the strengths of each GPU in a sequence of tasks.
1: All these techniques are super important because as AI models grow larger, training them efficiently becomes a greater challenge, but also presents greater potential for breakthroughs.
0: And those breakthroughs are essential, aren't they, Jen? They can lead to advancements in language understanding, image recognition, and solving complex scientific problems.
1: Absolutely, Tom, it's crucial work. And this study gives AI researchers some actionable recommendations on training bigger, better models more efficiently.
0: It certainly does, Jen. And as our AI models keep outgrowing our hardware, research like this helps to ensure we can still train them effectively without breaking the bank, or the data center for that matter.
1: Or require a whole new electrical grid, Tom? Well, listeners, that's about it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed this deep dive into the world of AI and parallelization.
0: Thanks for joining us. If you found this episode insightful, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your tech-loving friends. Until next time, this is Tom.
1: And Jen, signing off from our award-winning podcast. Stay curious and keep learning.
0: Have you ever sat down with a book and thought, hmm, This is far too comprehensible.
1: Do you crave the risk of spontaneous tentacles sprouting from your face as you absorb knowledge that mankind was never meant to know?
0: Then have we got a treat for you, Eldritch Scroll Eccentricities, Inc., where the slogan is, together, unfathomable knowledge at your tentacle tips.
1: Fancy a side of chaos with your next culinary adventure?
0: Try enchanted cookery. It's like a meal kit box, but the recipes might just summon a delightful old god to your kitchen.
1: Oh, and don't get us started on Tenebra's tax law.
0: Makes an audit look like a day at the beach. Am I right?
1: (laughs) And for those looking to get into a hobby that really gives back.
0: Cryptic calligraphy is the way to go because nothing says inner peace like having arcane symbols stare back at you from the page.
1: Remember, these scrolls are a full 73% incomprehensible, so you're guaranteed a head-scratching, mind-bending journey.
0: Side effects include, but are not limited to, temporary insanity, and an irresistible urge to whisper secrets to the moon.
1: So, listener, if unraveling the fabric of reality is your jam,
0: head to Eldritch Scroll Eccentricities, Inc. and tell them Tom and Jen sent you.
1: And don't forget, Eldritch Scroll Eccentricities, Inc. is not to be held accountable for any apocalyptic outcomes.
0: Or for when your bookshelf suddenly has more limbs than you do. Use it your own existential peril. Together, Eldritch Scroll Eccentricities, Inc., Knowledge is power, but in this case, it just might be too powerful. Welcome back to our award-winning show where we dive into the most fascinating topics in technology and science. I'm your host, Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. Today we're venturing into the cutting-edge realm of computational simulations with a discussion on diffusion-generative multifidelity learning. Sounds complex, right? But don't worry, we'll unpack it together.
0: Right, Jen. So let's start with the basics. In the world of physical simulations, researchers are often grappling with partial differential equations, or PDEs. These equations describe the changes over space and time of various physical processes, like heat distribution or fluid flow.
1: Exactly, Tom. Solving PDEs is crucial in engineering and scientific research, but it's often supercomputer intensive. Now, wouldn't it be great if we had a shortcut to solve these without running extensive numerical solvers from scratch every time?
0: That's where multi-fidelity surrogate learning comes in. It's like having a range of shortcuts from the scenic route to the express highway. You choose based on what you need and what you can afford, computationally speaking.
1: Spot on. With multi-fidelity learning, you can train models using examples from different fidelity levels. Think of fidelity as the level of detail or accuracy. High fidelity examples are very accurate but costly, while low fidelity ones are cheaper but less precise.
0: Now the traditional approach to multi-fidelity learning builds models that map input parameters directly to the solution output. But this paper we're discussing proposes a whole new take on this.
1: The authors suggest looking at solution outputs as something that can be generated from random noises. This is where the diffusion generative part comes into play. They developed a method based on stochastic differential equations where they model the solution as emerging through continuous denoising from noise.
0: It's almost like having a photograph that starts off super grainy and gradually becomes clearer as you remove the noise. You control the final image using your input parameters and the level of fidelity you require.
1: Right. And the process makes use of a sophisticated neural network architecture known as U-Net. It's typically used for image segmentation, but here it's repurposed for generating solutions to PDEs.
0: And what's more, this approach unifies the modeling for both discrete and continuous fidelity settings. Unlike previous methods that might need different processes, this handles everything in one elegant framework.
1: The results are pretty promising too. According to the paper, their method DGMF for short, achieves a significant reduction in the error rate for predicting solutions to several benchmark PDEs, like Poisson's heat and burgers equations, compared to state-of-the-art methods.
0: It's a promising direction for multi-fidelity learning, indeed. It could make simulations in scientific and engineering applications faster and more efficient, which is a big win.
1: That's our show for today. Join us next time as we explore more fascinating advancements in technology and science. I'm Jen.
0: And I'm Tom, signing off from our award-winning podcast. Keep learning and stay curious. Attention listeners, do you ever feel bored with this mundane reality?
1: Well, perk up those ears because we've got something out of this world. Literally.
0: Introducing Chewiverse Corp. gum that's a gateway to gazillions of galaxies
1: forget space-time continuums and fancy portals each bubble is your first class ticket to anywhere but here
0: want to howl at moonlit skies as a werewolf rock star
1: just chew it dream of sipping tea with a t-rex bite down and blow a jurassic bubble
0: with our patented reality bubble gum you're not just popping bubbles
1: you're popping into new realms of ridiculous realities
0: each chew is a chance to chase the extraordinary a flavor explosion that explodes your surroundings.
1: But remember folks, don't get too carried away. If you pop the bubble, you might need a reality check.
0: So grab a pack of Chewiverse reality bubblegum today.
1: Sponsored by Chewiverse Corp. They're not just blowing bubbles, they're blowing your mind.
0: Stay tuned, chew safe, and enjoy the interdimensional ride. Hey everyone. Welcome back to our award-winning podcast, where we unravel the mysteries of technology and science. I'm Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. Today we have a really intriguing topic, NeuroGPT, a foundation model for EEG data. It's a pioneering approach to handling brain-computer interface tasks.
0: Absolutely fascinating, Jen. Let's break it down for our listeners who may not be familiar with EEG or GPT. EEG stands for electroencephalography, which is a way to record electrical activity in the brain.
1: Right? And GPT stands for Generative Pre Trained Transformer. It's a type of artificial intelligence model that's made waves in natural language processing.
0: Now, the key problem NeuroGPT addresses is the scarcity and heterogeneity of EEG data. When training deep learning models, you typically need tons of data and EEG data can be super different from person to person.
1: Exactly, Tom, and that is where this NeuroGPT model comes in handy. It's essentially been trained on a huge public data set of EEG recordings using what's called self-supervised learning.
0: Self-supervised learning is kind of like giving the model a puzzle to solve. For NeuroGPT, it involves learning to predict missing chunks of EEG data. This helps the model capture the underlying patterns in the data, even when they're incomplete.
1: And once NeuroGPT has a handle on those patterns, it's fine-tuned on a specific task, such as classifying motor imagery, which is when you think about moving without actually moving.
0: They tested it on a small dataset from nine subjects and found that NeuroGPT significantly outperformed models trained from scratch. It's like giving the model a bit of a head start by teaching it the basics before specializing.
1: Right, the brain activity recognition becomes much more accurate. This shows the power of pre-training models on large data sets to then work wonders on smaller, more specific tasks.
0: Now listeners, one of the key components of NeuroGPT is the EEG encoder. This part of the model is responsible for translating raw EEG signals into a form that GPT can understand.
1: Think of it like an interpreter between the complex language of the brain and the model. This encoder focuses on the temporal aspect, when events occur, as well as the spatial aspect, where in the brain they occur.
0: NeuroGPT also uses something called causal masking during training. This hides parts of the EEG data, which forces the model to get better at making predictions based on what it has seen before.
1: Right, the whole idea is that by predicting the hidden parts, the model really hones in on understanding the flow and patterns of brain activity over time.
0: When they were fine tuning NeuroGPT, they tested different strategies. Interestingly, The encoder by itself worked the best, which suggests that it was already pretty great at capturing the key features needed for classification.
1: And for our tech heads out there, the pre-training was done on a dataset with a whopping 5,656 hours of EEG recordings. That's a lot of brainwaves.
0: Quite a feat, Jen. Now where could this all lead? Imagine the potential applications in medical diagnostics, accessibility technology, and even understanding how our brain activity correlates with behavior or diseases.
1: It's a big step towards more accurate and accessible brain-computer interfaces, Tom. And as the team behind NeuroGPT suggests, there's room for growth, such as exploring other encoder architectures and adapting more language models to EEG.
0: Exciting stuff, Jen. We'll be keeping an eagle eye on where NeuroGPT goes from here.
1: Thanks for tuning in, folks. Remember to subscribe for more brain-tickling topics. I'm Jen.
0: And I'm Tom. And this has been another episode of our deep dive into the wonders of science and technology. Until next time, keep those synapses firing. Are you ready to add a sparkle to your gallop and a prance to your pasture?
1: Then hold your horses because Unicorn Horseshoe Amalgamated is here to bring the magic.
0: Picture this, your horse, but with the whimsical charm and luck of a leprechaun.
1: Our enchanted horseshoes are forged in the heart of a rainbow and kissed by unicorn wishes.
0: Approved by our chief luck officer, Mr. McTwinkle himself. These are no ordinary horseshoes.
1: They guarantee a jolly jig every time your horse clops and lead you straight to the end of the trail treasure.
0: So if you want your mare to moonwalk or your gelding to glide,
1: then trot on over to unicorn horseshoe amalgamated, where we mean it when we say, together, gallop to good fortune
0: and now back to our regularly scheduled horsing around on the show
1: oh you mean award-winning podcasting tom
0: that's right jen stay tuned listeners for more hooves and hilarity welcome to our podcast episode titled sorting out quantum monte carlo i'm your host tom and with me is the ever brilliant jen
1: thanks tom and hey everyone Today's episode is going to be a mind-bender as we dive into quantum mechanics and simulate molecules at the quantum level. Get ready for some high-level science in an approachable package.
0: Absolutely, Jen. We're discussing a paper today that's all about quantum Monte Carlo methods, or QMC for short. Now, QMC is about creating a model that can simulate the behavior of these super small particles like in an atom or molecule.
1: When scientists do this, they're trying to find the system's lowest energy state. It's kind of like when you're looking for the most comfortable position to relax in a hammock. The lowest energy point is where you're perfectly settled.
0: Right you are. And this process of finding the lowest energy state involves a lot of heavy mathematical lifting. There's a term in the field called the wave function ansatz, It's like an informed guess of what the wave function, the mathematical description of these quantum states, might be.
1: Scientists have been trying to perfect this method since the 1920s. It's evolved into using Monte Carlo sampling, thanks to folks like Fermi and Kalos. Basically, they turned a very complex quantum problem into a statistics problem that could be tackled with random sampling.
0: Now, normally, QMC requires something called anti-symmetry which means when two particles exchange places, the mathematical sign of the wave function flips. It's a fundamental rule of quantum mechanics for fermions, like electrons.
1: Exactly. And traditionally, they've used something called determinants to enforce antisymmetry. It's all matrices in linear algebra. However, computing these determinants is a heavy computational task.
0: But here's the exciting part of the paper. They introduce this new method called the sortlet ansatz. It promises to be a lot faster because instead of using the determinant, it uses sorting, which is a much simpler operation and scales way better.
1: Right, think of sorting like organizing books on a shelf by height. It's a process that doesn't take much computational power even as you get more books, or in this case, particles.
0: And when they combine this sortlet method with a neural network backbone, they found they could achieve something called chemical accuracy with much less computational effort. It's quite groundbreaking for the simulation of atoms and small molecules.
1: That's the beauty of it. This paper is suggesting we can get accurate quantum level simulations without having to do all the hard number crunching that comes with determinant calculations.
0: There's a bunch of math in the paper that explains why this all works. But for our listeners, the takeaway is that the sortlet ansatz is a fancy new method that could make quantum simulations a lot more efficient and accessible.
1: We can't wait to see how this method will evolve and impact the world of computational chemistry and material science. It's quite an exciting time to be following along. Science is truly pushing the boundaries of what's possible.
0: And that's a wrap for this episode of Sorting Out Quantum Monte Carlo. We hope you enjoyed this foray into the world of quantum computing and that you're leaving with a better understanding of the incredible advancements being made.
1: Thanks for listening. We look forward to bringing you another exciting topic in our next episode. Stay curious, stay tuned, and keep on sorting out the quantum world.
0: Until next time, this is Tom.
1: And Jen, signing off. Keep pondering those particles.
0: Have you ever wanted to strum a chord that sends shivers down the spine?
1: Are you tired of the same old ukulele sound that's absolutely... alive?
0: Then float on down to Bucas and Strings' paranormal ukulele emporium.
1: Where every strum summons a symphony of specters.
0: Our ukuleles aren't just instruments. They're a seance of sound, a poltergeist party in every pluck.
1: Crafted from the finest ectoplasmic wood. Oh, it's not just wood, it's wood from the other side.
0: And tuned by the dexterous digits of legitimate phantoms.
1: You'll be haunting the hit parade with our unbelievable range of ukuleles.
0: And don't miss out on a duet with the delightful, the deathly talented Melody Malone.
1: Every Full Moon Friday, she'll teach you to pick and wail like a banshee, but in tune.
0: So, come on down. Don't just make music. Make it spooktacular.
1: Bukas and Strings, where you can haunt a tune, strum with the spirits.
0: Bukas and Strings Paranormal Ukulele Emporium. Pick up a ukulele and play. Beyond the Veil.
1: See you in the shadows, Strummers, Tom and Jether. Sponsored by Bukas and Strings, of course.
0: Welcome to our insightful podcast, where we dive deep into the world of emerging technologies and break them down for our brilliant listeners. I'm Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. Today, we're going to unravel the mysteries of a research paper titled LLM Augmented Hierarchical Agents. Fascinating stuff, but first, Tom, let's explain what that even means to our listeners.
0: Absolutely, Jen. At its core, this paper discusses combining language models with reinforcement learning, or RL, to create more efficient learning agents. RL is basically the way machines learn through trial and error.
1: It's like when you're trying to teach your dog a new trick. The treat is the reward that guides their learning.
0: Exactly, Jen. Now, hierarchical learning is when we structure that learning process into levels, breaking down complex tasks into smaller, more manageable ones, kind of like how we tackle our podcast production process in stages.
1: Right. Imagine our RL agent needs to make a cup of coffee, but instead of learning it in one go, it first learns to fill water, then to heat it, and so on.
0: The challenge we've had in the past is that RL agents typically start from scratch, a blank slate, or tabula rasa. Humans, on the other hand, use prior knowledge and plan out a sequence of actions based on that knowledge.
1: And that's where this paper steps in, introducing the use of Large Language Models, or LLMs, which are basically AI systems trained on huge amounts of text to encode worldly knowledge.
0: These LLMs help guide the high-level policy of the agent. In simple terms, they act like a wise mentor, suggesting potential steps the learning agent should take.
1: It's like having a GPS that knows a lot about coffee making and suggests the steps as you proceed.
0: The paper's authors trained these agents in simulation environments, things like a digital robot arm that learns to manage blocks. Their key finding was that the agents using this LLM guidance performed better and learned faster than those that didn't have this advantage.
1: And here's the cherry on top. Once fully trained, these agents no longer need the LLM to guide them they're equipped to handle tasks on their own.
0: It's like teaching someone to ride a bike. Initially, you're there holding the seat, but eventually, they're off riding on their own.
1: Now, for our listeners, let's ground this in everyday life. Tom, can you give a practical example?
0: Sure thing. Imagine a warehouse robot that's tasked with sorting packages. With an LLM providing guidance, the robot could quickly learn to identify, pick up, and place the right packages in the right areas cutting down the learning time significantly.
1: Astonishing. So the takeaway is, by using the knowledge encoded in LLMs, these RL agents not only save time and resources, but they're also more effective and can adapt to real-world tasks much quicker.
0: Absolutely. And to all our tech enthusiasts out there, we'll be keeping a close eye on the developments of these LLM augmented hierarchical agents.
1: That wraps up today's episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe for more tech explorations with us. I'm Jen.
0: And I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in. You know, Jen, I've always wanted to attend a real 80s beach party, but I'm stuck here in the 2020s.
1: Oh, Tom, haven't you heard of temporal tread toes from Chrono Flip Flops Inc.?
0: Temporal what now?
1: Allow me to enlighten you. With temporal tread toes, you can literally stride through time with every step.
0: That sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie. Are you telling me I could rock out at Woodstock?
1: Or moonwalk with Michael Jackson, yes. Experience history's pivotal moments or just snag that extra scoop of ice cream you regret not having.
0: This is too wild, Jen. But what if I accidentally step on a bug in the past? Won't that mess up the future?
1: Fear not, each pair comes with a comprehensive guide to safe temporal treading. Just remember their motto, keep calm and don't step on.
0: Well friends, don't forget, if you want to make history while wearing history, grab a pair of temporal tread toes.
1: And because we love you time-straddling folks, use code PODFLIP for a discount and a complimentary pair of solar-powered sundial sunglasses.
0: Now, that's timeless fashion. But please heed the disclaimer, folks. Time travel responsibly and watch out for those dinosaurs.
1: Thank you, Chronoflip Flops Inc., for sponsoring this mind-bending segment. Remember. Take a step, change your time, but never change your style.